Welcome to Time Out with Lance. I am your host, Lance Sampson, where on this podcast we discuss sports in an authentic, fresh, live, and direct way. Uh, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, uh, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. And if you're back again listening uh, on more than one occasion, uh, welcome back. It's uh, good to talk to you guys again. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I put out a podcast, but boy, do I have a packed show today. Uh the avalanche is coming, so this Thursday, July 23rd, is when Major League Baseball is going to start, and then the week after, the NBA is going to start, and the NHL is going to start, I think, August 1st. So sports are coming back in a big, big way. So to start off this packed show, um, let's quickly preview the MLB season that will start on uh, Thursday, July 23rd. So the season... This year will be only 60 games. There's going to be no fans in attendance for the regular season games, at least. Uh, the favorites to win the World Series this year are, of course, the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that's pretty much the whole mainstream media's wet dream, basically. you got the best team on the East Coast, the best team on the West Coast, two biggest markets in America. That would draw eyeballs for sure, although... <laughs> As some of you know, I may. As some of you may know, I am a big Houston Astros fan, and I'm going to root like mad for the Houston Astros this year. Basically, it's going to. The two best teams are the Yankees and Dodgers this year. The Yankees they returned pretty much all of their uh, lineup from last year, and they should be a lot healthier than they were last year. If you didn't know, last year they had a lot of injuries in their lineup, and they still finished with uh, 107 or 10. 108 wins, one of those numbers, but it was still absurd considering how many injuries that they had. And the Dodgers, they won almost the similar amount of games last year. And in the offseason, the Dodgers added Mookie Betts, who's one of the best outfielders in baseball from the Boston Red Sox. And the Yankees added Garrett Cole, who's one of the best starting pitchers in the game uh, from the Astros, of course. So I'm a little salty about that. But um, I think the Astros are the best team in baseball, not named the Yankees or the Dodgers. They pretty much have everybody back in their lineup from the past two or three years. They've added a couple of names. Um, Of course, they lost Garrett Cold in the rotation, but they get Lance McCullers Jr. back, who before he was out last year to recover from Tommy John's surgery, he was a very, very good number two level type number two starter. In baseball, some in some staffs, I bet McCullers could be an ace. But on the Astros, since Justin Verlander is holding down holding down the ace spot, you can't you can't really uh, step into that role. So uh, the Astros have a really solid rotation. Again, their lineup is just as deadly as ever, led by Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, uh, Carlos Correa, George Springer, and the rest of the gang. And uh, of course, they have new management this year. The Astros do because, um, of course, with their cheating scandal dating back to their 2017 World Series championship. They have Dusty Baker, who's been around baseball for a very long time. He's an old guy. He's in his 70s, but uh, he, he's he been around, so he somewhat knows what he's doing, but he hasn't been historically known to have long, sustained success with teams he's managed. But with the Astros' talent, I think anything's possible. And uh, we'll see. So bottom line in baseball, I don't see – many other teams get into the World Series other than the Yankees, Dodgers, or Astros, maybe the Twins, maybe the maybe the Atlanta Braves, and there could be a dark horse team some somewhere out there, but I'm going to go with a safe bet 
with baseball and pick the Yankees and Dodgers of the World Series. So moving on from baseball, we're, we're moving kind of into football. So the NFL, um, from what I hear on TV and radio from personalities and journalists, a lot of people think that the NFL is going to start on time. They may not be fans, but um, the NFL not happening would be a big blow economically um, to the teams and maybe even some of the cities that the teams play in. Basically, the and with college football too, that's kind of the same way. You know, I'm in College Station right now, you know, which is the home of Texas A&M University, and the city itself, College Station, relies heavily upon upon the football season and the tourism that it draws, and of course the students being there um, during the school year just to support the businesses, and even especially during the game day. So, I think it would be in everybody's best interest if football happened as normal. And we can take it even a step further for high school football and for any sports that like younger kids play. Um, for some, for some kids, especially sports are kind of the really the only way out of some tough situations. And, you know, with, with some of them, they, they grow up around, grow up in really, really tough circumstances, like having a single 400 square foot apartment and especially these days being trapped inside of there for maybe like five to six months at this point, it's like they need, they need something to do, frankly, than rather just sitting there because they're missing out on social engagement, uh, mental development, I guess, if they're not in the classroom. And also um, with football, especially uh, some of the coaches that, you know, coach football, they serve as some father figures to some of these kids that they may not have around the house. And um, I've heard some coaches say when they, when they've talked to uh, journalists and uh, personalities on radio and television, that kids really younger kids really need to develop their sense of uh, belonging. And that, and that's through um, social engagement, classroom learning, um, just learning tough lessons sometimes uh, in the classroom and on the field. So, and I understand people are worried that, you know, kids could get infected, but even even though the cases have been skyrocketing in states like Texas, Florida, uh, Arizona, and other places, the death rates have not really been going up at the same rate as the infection rates have, which is good news. Obviously, there are people that have died from the coronavirus and it's a terrible pan. It's a terrible disease, which has caused a terrible pandemic and has crippled large parts of the world right now for the past several months. But again, if we really, if you really want to think about it, kids are always going to be are always going to be thought of as next in line. And if we don't, and if we don't allow kids to really get out, explore, try new things. Just take, just take risk, you know, risk taking is a part of life. It, this sounds really dumb and basic, but whenever you step out a door outside of your front door in the morning to go to work on normal day, you're taking risk. Like you get in the car, you could get in a wreck, you could get pulled over and shot. You could, um, you at work, you could get fired. If you do something stupid that day, you could just a whole host of issues could Rise, and that's involved involving risk. Now, if you're smart and you don't make dumb decisions, then you <coughs> then you usually won't uh, end up 
you know, hurt or sick or anything like that. But things happen, and that's part of risk taking. That's part of life. And the kids really need, and young kids really do uh, need that to advance further in life and to eventually go on to be productive adults and um, teach their kids the same thing. So, bottom line, hopefully, hopefully, uh, all sports at all levels can start up again in some way, shape, or form by the fall, because America needs normalcy and sports is part of the american norm and people are begging for it and although some people will say um that sports don't really matter they don't really matter to like them because oh professionals they make money well to people who aren't making money playing sports sports matter a whole lot some more stuff with football as we move along so a couple weeks ago the washington redskins or I think it was last week, they filed to change their name. You know, of course, uh, they've been named the Washington Redskins from their inception. And my thing is, I'm not a Redskins fan. I don't, I haven't read too much into like, if, if it's truly a slur to the majority of Native Americans, because I've heard plenty of people argue that it is a slur and plenty of people argue that it isn't a slur from non-Native Americans, Native Americans alike. So, I guess, you know, it happens to so let it be. But my thing is when when people are offended by something, it, it starts a never-ending cycle. Like, I fear that other teams in American sports are going to have to change their names because of this down the line. You know, a lot of high schools and other schools have had to change their names from their Native American names just because people are offended. And, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland Indians. Now, the Cleveland Indians, they have said that they're going to change their logo to look a little different, but they haven't really taken steps like the Redskins to change their name. But my thing is, like, we at some point, we just got to accept that some some names could be to honor them. There, if some Some of the team names could be a way to honor, to honor, groups of people not just a slur so maybe i should do more research on it but my my two cents is like usually just let it be just enjoy sports don't make it all political because people are just tired of having politics being injected into sports <laughs> that's why they're not watching espn i used to be one of those kids that would get up every morning and watch sports center for my highlights and now i just i can't do that anymore because it's all left-wing politics and frankly i, I can do without that so Redskins change their name, so be it, and I won't be surprised if other teams change their name down the line. So moving on, uh, speaking of more NFL news, um, you've had a lot of players sign long-term extensions. So starting off with the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl in February, they signed their star defensive end, Chris Jones, to a four-year $85 million contract, $60 million of it guaranteed. And they're able to do that because uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, took a team-friendly deal. And for the Chiefs to build a dynasty around Mahomes, they're really going to have to um, afford a lot of their good players. And Chris Jones is definitely up there as one of the best players on the Chiefs roster. So getting him under contract is really critical. The Really, the only thing I could see 
stopping the Chiefs from building a dynasty in the next five years or so is going to be injuries because as long as they can retain uh, at least three quarters of the roster that they have now, or maybe less, a little less, I could see Patrick Mahomes making a strong ace to eventually be the greatest quarterback of all time. Another notable contract is Derrick Henry. He, of course, is the running back for the Tennessee Titans. He got a four-year $50 million contract and $25 million of it guaranteed. Of course, that's off the heels of him having a really good um, second half of the season this past year and a couple of good playoff games, uh, you know, against the Ravens and whatnot. He, he's a really good bruising back. He's arguably now a top five running back. The question is, um, is he going to be worth the contract whenever he starts to maybe slow down? I'm praying that he doesn't because I think he's a really good player and he's worked really hard. And he won the Heisman Trophy in college, but he didn't really pop until last year. Um, so good for him. Go, good for him that he got his money. But uh, we've seen in history of large running back contracts in the NFL that they don't always work out. And they don't always tend to be team friendly. So hopefully Henry can maybe develop a little bit better in catching for the passing game. And he could just be an all around. He could become, in that case, the best best running back in the NFL. So uh, we'll we'll see how him and the Titans really go with Ryan Tannehill, who of course got a contract as well after he uh, showed promise this past season. Now the last notable contract that I'll mention is Miles Garrett. Of course, he was the number one overall pick back in 2017 out of Texas A&M. Whoop. And uh, his contract is for five years, 125 million and 50 million of it is guaranteed. Um, for those of you who don't remember last year, Miles Garrett, um, he and the Browns were playing the Steelers on a Thursday night game. And at the very end of the game, uh, him and Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback at the time, got into a wrestling match on the ground. And what happened was Miles Garrett ended up ripping off Mason's helmet and striking, winding up and striking, striking him on the head with his helmet. And, uh, and, uh, there were a lot of other players who got involved in that brawl and they got suspended, but Miles Garrett ended up getting suspended for the rest of the season uh, for several games. And really what this contract says is Miles Garrett is still a really good player like that. This shows that the NFL just cares about, you know, your talent. Miles Garrett is extremely talented and I'm not going to really judge Miles Garrett off that one little incident because Miles Garrett has really never been known to be an aggressor and, or have anger issues like that. I, I will not judge him off of that. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good kid. Um, I actually got to see him a couple of times when he was a student or when I, in my younger years as a student, um, when he came back from wherever he was uh, just to play basketball at A&M's rec center, I saw him. He was, boy, that, this guy is ripped. He's tall. He's fast. He's athletic. He, he, he has it all athletically. So, of course, I think he deserves this contract. I think he can really help solidify the Browns' uh, defensive front for a very long time. And with the Browns overall, I think um, they're going to be fun to watch. Could, I'm interested to see how Baker Mayfield continues to develop his play. Of course, he still has uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry's outside targets, and he has Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield as running backs. And if the Browns just solidify their offensive line and uh, – their secondary and linebacking core, I think the Browns could really be a dark horse candidate in the AFC. 
Um, of course, they have to contend with Kansas City, Baltimore, uh, Houston, and other teams like that. But uh, regardless, Miles Garrett, congrats on the money, dude. I'm glad you got your money, and hopefully you can play play out your contract to the best of your ability. I'm really praying for you. One last thing on college football before we get into basketball news. Um, a lot of analysts and uh, schools have talked about maybe moving college football back to the spring. Of course, uh, the Ivy League a few weeks ago announced that they had canceled all of their sports for the fall. Um, Big Ten is doing conference-only games. The Pac-12 is, I think, doing a similar thing. I'll have to double-check on that. But um, from what I hear, uh, the SEC is scheduled to make a decision at the end of this next week, which is which ends on the Friday of next week is July 31st. So by August, the SEC should let other that let their teams and other conferences know what they're doing, and the Big 12 probably as well, and of course the ACC. But my thing is, you know, if we push spring, if we push college football back to the spring, you're going to have a lot of different dynamics to that. You're probably going to have a lot of the top prospects like Trevor Lawrence, who just got engaged, of course, good for him out of Clemson and Justin Fields, the quarterback for Ohio state, um, countless other, uh, athletes across, across America. They're just probably going to sit out, um, the seat, the season, just because like they won't, they want to get their millions. And with the NFL combine, usually in the spring and the draft in April or may, then why, why would you risk like getting hurt and then hurting your draft Scott draft stock? Like for those of you who don't know, like the NFL, if you get drafted first overall, like you get paid a lot more money quite a bit than let's get, let's say if you get drafted in like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh rounds. Now I will tell you that there, there are quite a bit of low draft picks in the NFL. Like, in fact, I think at least half of them, half the NFL was like fourth round or below or undrafted. So you can work your way up, but being a blue chip prospect really pays off these days because you're basically training with all the right people you're getting advice from professionals sometimes on like how to prep how to be professional how to train like a professional how to eat like a professional how to sleep like one and by the time those guys get the nfl they they are just ready to go and the only thing that's really stopping them is really their effort so um it'd be, it would be in everyone's best interest for college football to be in the fall this year but um and I would, I would say, my opinion is, college football without fans is just going to be, would be one of the weirdest feelings I've ever seen. Um, there would really be no home field advantage, obviously, with no crowd noise, unless, you know, some teams pump in artificial noise, but that's another story for another day. But I would say, you know, you, you have in Texas, let's say, because Abbott, the governor here, said if many weeks ago that stadiums could cap off at 50% and nothing more than that. Well, I guess you could do that and you can have people be, you can mandate face masks and have people maybe socially distance, like rope off some areas, have some season ticket holders space out. Um, and here at A&M, um, Kyle field, you get the whole, the whole, pretty much the whole East side of the stadium is reserved for students. The second and third deck parts of the first deck too. And so, on a normal game day, normal game day, it's shoulder to shoulder. It's hardly any room. So ha having students social distance, that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but I'm sure people can figure that out. 
So I'm just hoping that college football starts again on starts again like normal, and let's hope we have some common sense and form the schedules. The NBA's had a lot going on recently. Of course, the players have come into the Orlando bubble at Disney World. That's where everything is going to happen. The season's going to happen. Um, the seeding games start very soon. And uh, the regular season is going to start next week. You've had players complain about the food in some of the hotels. But from some of the – I would just be grateful if I were them just because there's there would be a lot of people who would want that food because there's a lot of people right now that are struggling to put even food on the table. So I understand it could be tough just because they're, they are used to five-star treatment pretty much everywhere they go. It's not like they've earned it, but – you know, sometimes a little gratitude goes goes a long way. And uh, hats off to the people who are taking care of the NBA players down there in Orlando because the it's a billion-dollar bubble down there. There's a lot of people. It's supposed to be very tight, and uh, for it to be a successful operation, people need to really abide by the rules and not break them and not uh, put themselves in harm way to jeopardize their, te- their team's chances to win the championship. Now. There was something last week with James Harden, the superstar player for the Houston Rockets. He wore a a blue mask, which turned out was probably a Blue Lives Matter mask. And um, he explained that he didn't know the symbolism behind it and he was trying to protect his beard. And, you know, I'm really getting frustrated because I'm comfortable with saying Black Lives Matter. I don't agree with Black Lives Matter, the organization and some of the and the things that it really stands for, like dismantling the nuclear family structure, I think that's a destructive way of going about things. And you can you can disagree with me on that, but I think that's very harmful. And that that's kind of the reason why you know fathers are kind of needing the home. Nuclear family structure is very very critical to society these days. But regardless, um, I, why can't we say that blue lives matter? Everybody's lives matter. Like that's not being racist toward black people. I, I don't know how that's racist. Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me how all lives matter is racist. Like, sure, sure, the black community through the new fast five to six years, you've seen crimes against the black community, but there are crimes against the white community, the Latino community, the Asian community, um, and there are bad there are bad apples in every race. Okay. Um, so Blue Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter, who two of the more stronger slogans in society these days, like you you can say it's okay to say both. It's okay to agree with both. And James Harden not knowing it's okay, like he shouldn't be crucified for supporting police because police are part are really the backbone of society, like keeping law and order. And although there are many bad cops out there, there's many, many more good cops out there who put their lives on the line every single day and sacrifice their um, their freedoms to keep our freedoms safe sometimes. So uh, apologize to James Harden if he get if he got reprimanded and got lambasted by some people, but you know, it, it's a mess, like get over it. And also with regards another thing with the NBA, so a couple of weeks ago Adrian Wojnarowski, who is uh, one of the top NBA reporters in the United States who works at ESPN, he was sent a, he was forwarded an email from 
Senator Josh Hawley in Missouri who to the NBA and Senator Hawley was saying that, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, of course, is a big slogan these days and is getting painted on the courts of the NBA bubble. But also, why can't um, the NBA support China as well by putting uh, free Hong Kong slogans? And uh, Warren Rasky basically responded uh, two words. He said, F you to Senator Hawley. And he was suspended for ESPN for a couple weeks. Um, a lot of players like rallied his support like LeBron James. But the thing is, like, the NBA is being hypocrites because they want to lambast American politics, but they're taking billions from China who literally have, China literally has concentration camps for, um, for Muslims over there. And for people who don't know, China is basically denying Hong Kong democracy and basic human rights. Like they've sent and Hong Kong protesters, they're using the American flag as a symbol of their protest. So I don't understand why people in the NBA, like LeBron James, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, they will they will criticize America till they're blue in the face, but they won't utter a word about China. And you want to know why? It's because China provides them. The NBA has a huge market in China. It's a big business over there. And whenever Daryl Morey, the Rockets GM, many months ago said free Hong Kong, the NBA basically bent the knee to China. They they forced Morey to apologize, and China refute was threatening to take the NBA out of China. And if that happened, the NBA would lose a lot of business. So the NBA basically bowed to China and uh, allowed allowed games to continue and forced Mori to apologize. But it's really sad how foreign foreign powers can really have that much influence on business. It really is something. Finally, moving on, Jamel Hill, um, who I think is a racist, uh, racist female reporter. She she came out the other day and said, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're racist. And she said so many anti-Trump things. She said he's a white supremacist. Um, it's like, I'm not even mad at her. Like, that's I mean, that's basically par for the course. And that's basically most people on ESPN. None of the people on ESPN could have an authentic opinion if they maybe Stephen A. Smith has an authentic opinion now and then. Like he had him and I would probably disagree with everything about politics, but at least he's authentic about stuff. But everybody else, they don't they don't have the guts to say um what they really think. They're it's all left wing for ESPN. Like, so the, the stuff I'm saying, if I said this on ESPN, I would not make it a day, day at that company. That company is sickening. They have dropped sports. They have annihilated all of their fan bases. They just support anything left wing. They're anti-Donald Trump, and anti-freedom, anti-capitalist. And it's so funny that they sit up there and and declare themselves to be the worldwide leader in sports. Well, they're basically MS ESPN right now. They're the worldwide leader in politics with sports. They're basically CNN with with sports balls. So if you're still watching ESPN, I recommend that you don't because it's all politics. It's just meant to divide people. And really, you can find better things to do than watch left-wing politics all day on a sports channel. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. 
If you feel like supporting the podcast in any way, go to anchor.fm slash Lance Sampson. I appreciate any support you give me. Thank you. Take it easy, and I'll see you in the next episode.